Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Şeyh bin Adalet Kandil Rahmetullahi Aleyhi Seyiz Elhazzu nefsi fil ma'siyeti zahirun celiyun ve hazzuha fil ta'ati batinun hafiyun ve mudavatu ma yakfa sa'bun ilacuhu Elhazzu nefsi the share of the ego in the nefs ammara bisuh and our carnal desires the share that it has in the ma'siyah, in the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Zahirun jaliyun. It is outwardly clear. Wahadduha. And the share that the nafs has. Fitta'ati. In the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is batinun khafiyun. Is hidden inwardly. Wamudawatu ma yakhfa. And to treat and cure. That which is hidden, sa'abun ilajuhu, it is very difficult indeed. So, when it comes to our nafs, it gains strength and nourishment, it becomes stronger, it enjoys when a person is disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like at first glance, it is easy to understand that the more ita'a and obedience we do over to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this will strengthen our ruhaniya, our ruh, our spirituality. So our ruh and our uh, soul, it gains strength from the ita'at and obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the other hand, there is a disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this strengthens one's nafs. So the nafs, it encourage, uh, pushes a person towards the disobedience of Allah, and he gains strength from it. The more a person is disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more his nafs is getting stronger. The more a person is obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more uh, his ruh is getting stronger. So th- this is at first glance, right? And But Shaykh ibn Atayullah is pointing towards something beyond that. He's saying that so, if a person is, na'udhu um, billah, fulfilling his lust, fulfilling his passions, desires, then what happens is, um, he's drinking wine, or he is uh, fulfilling his passions in all kinds of different haram sins, forbidden acts. His, his nafs is getting stronger, his nafs is getting stronger, his ruhani is getting weaker. On the other hand, if a person is doing ita'at, going to the masjid, going to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, doing dhikr, his, uh, his nafs is getting strong, weaker, his nafs is getting weaker and his ruh is getting stronger. This is what we would expect. But he says that, subhanAllah, the nafs also has a share potentially in one's ibadah. And that's not which is apparent. He says, nafsi fil jali. The share of the nafs that it has in a person's disobedience to Allah, no, a person's disobedience to Allah Ta'ala, zahirun jali, is very apparent. Right? Everyone knows that, okay, you're disobeying Allah, your nafs is getting stronger. And if the nafs has a share in ibadah, wait a second, you're doing ibadah of Allah and your nafs is getting stronger. How is that going to happen? This is going to happen. Uh, the ibadah is supposed to be detestable, it's supposed to be difficult for the nafs. But here it's actually strengthening the nafs. 
because there is a hidden defect in the ibadah. Outwardly, it looks like ibadah, inwardly, something else is going on. So a person, it seems like he's obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it seems like he's coming closer to Allah, but in actually he's going further away. A person is spending uh, you know, eight hours, eight rakats, he's praying three, three hours of tahajjud, but at the end of the three hours, he's actually further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How, how can that happen? Because a person yeah, has deficiency in his ikhlas, in his sincerity, in his niyyah. The niyyah is there to show to others, which is called riyah, or the niyyah is there to show off to oneself, which is called ujub. Ujub is when a person is so proud of his own actions, and niyyah and riyah is when a person is showing off to other people his actions. Is it possible that a person is showing off to, see, uh, ikhlas is when a person does an action only to please Allah. And if a person is doing action to please anyone other than Allah, then that is contrary to ikhlas. So normally when we understand the concept of liridullah uh, for the pleasure of Allah is ikhlas, and liridullah ghayridullah for the pleasure of other than Allah is contrary to ikhlas, is rejected. But in the ghayridullah, we, we restrict that typically to everyone else, other creation. But you, ourselves, we ourselves definitely are not Allah, so we are falling in the ghayrullah category. So if we are doing it for our own pleasure, in the sense that we are so proud, we are showing off to ourselves, that is a concept as well. To illustrate this, a person gave an example of a, a person, he was performing salah in the first saf, with, um, in the best manner possible physically, but inwardly there was a big issue. So after completing his salah, he heard an unseen voice that your salah is rejected, you are doing it to please other than me. He remembered the hadith of Rasulullah Whoever performs salah to show to others has committed an act of shirk, minor shirk. So he went to the back of the masjid and then he performed the two rakat to the best manner possible. Then he thought when he was praying in the first half, he said, oh, maybe I was showing off to the people on my right and left and in front and behind me. Or no one in front, but people on my right and left and behind me. That's the first half. You know, as Sa'id ibn Musayyib. Remember the statement of Sa'id ibn Musayyib, rahimahullah. Sa'id ibn Musayyib and Sa'id ibn Jubair. They're two Sa'idan, two Sa'ids who are the Sayyid al-Tabi'een, the leaders of the Tabi'een. Who is the best of the Tabi'oon? Some say Sa'id ibn Jubayr of Makkah or Sa'id ibn Musayyib of Medina. Third opinion is Uwais Qarni of Yemen. So these are the top Tabi'oon. So Sa'id ibn Musayyib, rahimullah, he said that, Tahdithan bin Ni'mah, mentioning the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon me. This is a Tahdith bin Ni'mah. It's a very slippery slope, you have to be careful. Because if you say this is an accomplishment you have, but you make the nisbah back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah ta'ala has commanded, The blessings of Allah upon you, you should enumerate them, count them. So if you say, Alhamdulillah, this is a fadl of Allah, Allah has granted me this ability, you're thanking Him. Allah is the one who granted me this much wealth or health. Allah is the one who granted me this much taqwa and ilm. So that's matloob, that is a command of Allah. It's fahaddith, it's a command. The ni'mat of your Rabb, mention it. But when you're saying it, what, if you're just using that as a disguise and you're talking about your own accomplishments, 
I'm so great, I'm so great, and then you say, Allah has given me this, then that's not going to really fly. If you truly believe that Allah has granted me this, and you make this with Allah with, from your heart, you're saying like Sulaiman alayhi salam, hadha bin fadli rabbi. Not like Qarun inna ma'utitu ala ilmin indi. Right? I have acquired this wealth. Rather, this is fadl of Allah. Then, then it's not only okay, it's great, not only great, it's actually what you were supposed to do. So he said, because I'm giving the disclaimer, because it seems like he's making some proud claims. Three claims, right? So, but he was actually saying, this is Allah's blessing upon me. Therefore, but he doesn't say it explicitly. He gives three indications. Sometimes speaking in a poetic form, it's more effective than saying it plain, straightforward. So he said, for 40 years, alhamdulillah, I never saw the back of a musalli in prayer. In 40 years, I never heard the adhan outside the masjid. And for 40 years, I prayed my fajr with the wudu of Isha. Right. Subhanallah. So, this is uh, praying fajr with the wudu of Isha was not playing computer games online, video games. It was, it was in, oh, he was uh, in ibadah. 40 years, he did not see the back of a musalli, means he was in the first rakah. Forty years, he never heard how the adhan sounds like from the courtyard, from parking lot, from outside. Means that he was in the masjid before the adhan. That's why he was in the first off, right? Now, um, subhanallah. So, so this person was praying in the first off. He said, maybe the people on my right and my left and behind me, I was showing off to them. As that's where I remembered. There's no one in front of him to show off to. So then, uh, then he prayed in the back. After he prayed in the back, he heard the unseen voice that you are praying to show other than Allah. Then he said, maybe I was showing off to the people around me in the back. So then he went home, he prayed two rakat nafal. Uh, it's not farad because farad is still more rewarding to pray in jama'ah. And you have to overcome the other intentions that may be there because the concept of collecting the ummah is, takes precedence when it comes to the farad. At the weekly level, at a daily level, the ummah gathers together in jama'ah, jama'ah, yajma'u. For where? At the, at the street level, at the gali level, at the alley. Every alley is the masjid for the five times daily prayers. And then the, the whole neighborhood, they get together for the jumu'ah. That's why the jumu'ah masjid would be known as al-jami'ah in Arabic. Jami'ah is again the one that jama'ah. People gather together. An yomul jumu'ah. Jumu'ah, the prayer of jumu'ah is in which there is a jama'ah, you need literally from the linguistically as well. That's a weekly gathering. Then the city gathering is Yawm al-Eid. And the Ummah gathering, well, that's twice a year. And the Ummah gathering is in Hajj. So there's a whole uh, hierarchy of collecting the Ummah. So for the Farad, the collection of the Ummah is, takes precedence over trying to conceal your ibadah. Concealing your ibadah is great, you can do that for Nawafil and Sunan. But praying in Jama'ah is greater, right? So in any case, he went home because we're talking about which? Farad prayer or Nafal prayer? Nafal prayer. So, uh, and he prayed it. After he prayed Salah, he heard the unseen voice. SubhanAllah. Your Salah is rejected. It is therefore to show to others. Now he started thinking, what in the world? Oh, these kids are playing around. They saw me. My wife was cooking or working. She saw me. Maybe I was performing Salah too. Impress upon them. They're saying, oh, look at Baba, he's praying such a beautiful prayer. <coughs> so then, uh, when everyone was busy, then he went into his room and he locked the door. 
and no one knows why he went to the room. There may be some work or changes clothes or something. So no one has any idea. Even his wife, his life partner, and his children, no one knows why he went into his room. He locked the door. And then he prayed the ultimate, most sincere prayer ever. With so much sincerity that he never was so sincere in his life. And when he finished Salah, he was so confident and he was so happy. He said, now I will not hear that voice ever again. Or at least not this time. So he was so happy, so full of achievement, of uh, satisfaction on his achievement that I have now become mukhlis because who in the world am I showing off to? I thought I was showing off to the people in the masjid, in the front, and then, then maybe somebody saw me in the back, and then the wife and kids saw me. Now no one saw me. So if this is not sincere, what could be sincere? So he was confident, confident about himself being sincere. So as soon as he finished his salah, then he heard an unseen voice, you have performed your salah to please other than me. It is also rejected. So why, who was he pleasing now? Himself. So that is, so then a person will say, oh my God, okay, is there any light at the end of this tunnel? It keeps on remaining dark and dark and dark. So which one is sincere? This, that's why the scholars say that the one who is confident about his sincerity, let him be confident he is insincere. Right? Because the one who is confident that I am mukhlis, let him be confident he is not mukhlis. In this case, when the person was so confirmed, confirmed jannati, as, as subhanAllah, there, there's something came out there, right? Confirmed jannati. If he, is, if he is so confirmed about himself that my, I have reached the pinnacle of ikhlas, this falls under ujab. This means that um, he has done ibadah in such a manner that he is pleased with it. So who, the mukhlis is the one yad, that we see in the Quran and Sunnah and all the hadith. It's always yad'una rabbahum khawfan wa tama'an. They are doing ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're making dua or ibadah, whatever they do. Khawfan with fear of rejection and tama'an, hope of acceptance. Al-imanu bayna raja wal khawf. The reality of iman is between hope and fear. So after completing an action, if we are hoping acceptance from Allah and fearing rejection from Allah, not confirmed, yeah, I'm mukhlis, how can you have more ikhlas than me? Of course my action is accepted. Then that is not a mukhlis person. You understand? The mukhlis person is what? That's a sign of ujab, that you're pleased with yourself. Alam You do not declare yourself to be righteous. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah is the one who knew when when the particles from the earth that are going to become part of your being were being collected. And when you are still fetuses developing in the wombs of your mother. When you are fetuses developing in the wombs of your mother, he knew you. How, 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 what's your condition? He knew you. Now when you come out into the world, you say, I'm so pious, I'm so righteous. Do not declare yourself to be righteous. He is the one who has a complete knowledge, who is muttaqi and who is not muttaqi. Only he knows. And then as we were talking yesterday, I believe, 
Mujrimun. So is this ayah revealed about Fir'aun? Fir'aun is a Mujrim? Yes. Definitely, right? Haman, Shaddad, Namrud, Abu Jahl. These are all Mujrims. <coughs> Maybe this could be a good trivia question for like a Tafsir student. Not generally want to trick people, but I'm just saying, general population, we should not trick them. But that's why I'm sharing the answer with you. But for a student, we could, I just crossed my mind, it could be a good question. Uh, that, separate yourself. Is this ayah? Is this about Firaun and Haman and Shaddad and Amrud? Are they Mujrims or not? So this ayah refer to them? No, it does not refer to them. Because they were apparent Mujrims. This ayat is about hidden Muslims. Right? Because what does the ayah mean? That you are looking like and acting like and considered by others to be salihun, righteous people, but you're hidden Muslims. You are the wolves in the sheep's clothing, right? Those are open wolves. So this ayah is not talking. Yeah, they have enough azab and different ayats about them. But this, this ayah is about those mujrimun who are acting like and appearing like salihun. In fact, they are so deluded, they themselves may be considering, they may be considering themselves to be salihun too. Everyone thinks they're salih, and they are also deluded, they think they themselves are salih. But in reality, they are mujrims. So they are hidden. The mujrimun that are hidden with the salihun amongst them. Allah Ta'ala will say on the Day of Judgment, mujrimun. O mujrimun that are hidden among the salihun, and you're under the radar, people thought you were Salihun, you thought you were Salihun, but truly you were Mujrimun. Come out, separate yourself, and you will be now uh, delineated. You will now be demarcated. You will now be identified. You will now be taken out. Right? Well, so this is not about Firon. Because Firon knew he was Mujrim, and everyone knows he's Mujrim. When he died, Allah Ta'ala said, فَمَا بَكَتَ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضُ Neither the heavens nor the earth, no one shed a tear. Everyone is happy, rejoiced. Celebration. From that day he died till the time of Rasulullah, the Yehud were doing celebration. When Nabi came to Medina <coughs> and said, Why are you fasting on Ashura? They say we're celebrating, thanking Allah for the that Allah has granted us Najat from Firaun. So, neither the heavens nor the earth died. Uh, Bakat cried. No, not a tear they shed. Surah Dukhan, Allah says. Allah Akbar. So, Mukhlis is the one who is, uh, 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 he is what? Worried about his intention. He's worried about his intention, is the Mukhlis. The one who is confirmed is not. So, if a person is doing an ibadah to please his nafs or to please anyone else, then his ibadah is rejected. But if he's doing the ibadah to please Allah and only Allah, and he doesn't care if the people praise him or attack him, he doesn't care if his nafs is happy or not, he's not doing it for his own enjoyment, then what happens? This is called ikhlas. And that is very difficult to achieve. So if the nafs has a share in the masiyah, that is very apparent and well known and clear. If the nafs is having a share and is, uh, it is getting stronger and stronger and is gaining strength and nourishment from the, from the ita'ah, from the ibadah, this is batinun khafi. It's very hard to determine this. It's very inwardly hidden. It's a, uh, one is intuitive, one is counterintuitive. One is apparent, one is hidden. And to cure that which is hidden is hard indeed. Because, uh, like, speaking of the word cure, ilaj, ilaj, what's ilaj? Treatment. 
So there may be, like from a medical treatment perspective, there may be something very apparent. It's like right there, you can see it. You know what to do. Follow the protocols. Simple, there's very simple, clear fracture. Okay, bind it up and put the cast. It's the same thing. It's not like the C-section, Caesar's time. No, it's before Caesar also. People know how to tie the bones, right? It's an ancient thing. How to put a sling? Who's going to uh, who's going to heal the bone? Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Right? This is one of the poems of Mutanabbi. لا يجبر الناس عظما أن تكاسره ولا يهذون عظما أن تجابره لا يجبر الناس عظما. People they لا يجبر جبار is the name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. What does jabbar mean? Jabbar literally means the one who heals the bones. Did you know that? Jabbar is the one who joins the bones together and heals the bone. Subhanallah. So he's the one who uh, heals the broken affairs, solves and provides a solution to our broken matters. But the liter- actual dictionary meaning of Jabbar is the one who heals the bones, broken bones. Subhanallah. What did the doctor do? He just puts it in line straight, right? If you have decreed a bone to be broken, no one can join it. Mutanabbi has his own issues, but this particular poem, his aqidah is okay, on point. And nor can they can continue to keep a bone broken that you will have decided that you will join it. Or you'll break. If you have decided you're going to break it, it cannot be joined by anyone. If you have decided to heal it, it cannot be broken by anyone. So ilaj. So sometimes the ilaj is very apparent, like he, uh, putting the bone together, and sometimes it's hard to determine. So you go to your community hospital. They say, you know, all the tests we can't figure it out. Go to the university hospital. Go to the University of Chicago. Naudhubillah. So imagine you have your child taken to the University of Chicago, Northwestern. They say go to the University of Chicago. Oh, we can't figure it out. Go to Mayo Clinic. Go to Cleveland Clinic. Go to the world-renowned specialist, sub 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 specialist. What's going on? Right. So he also has written the books on the topic, cutting-edge research, um, but he's scratching his head and saying, I cannot figure out what's going on. This is batinun khafi. So, then the, the non-Muslim doctor, what, what does he say? Allahu alam. The Muslim doctor, what does he say? Abto bas Allah ke hat mein hai. There could be no word statement. Which means for our English speaking people is that you know we have tried our best now from now on it only lies in the hands of Allah all you can do is make dua whose hands was it the entire time it was in my hands but I gave up now it's, I passed it on okay Allah you take care of it na'udhu billahi min thalik right so, uh, when I become sick, then Allah gives shifa. This is the adab of speaking. Where did the sickness came from? From Allah. So, but He doesn't say, when Allah, you make me sick, then my doctor gives me shifa. <laughs> he says, when I become sick, Allah gives me shifa. Ibrahim says this. So we have to wake up 
and check the condition that when we are doing ibadah, let us not be deceived by our own ibadah. Maybe something else is going on. Bottom line is you have to be perpetually in the state of uh, hope of acceptance. I can't just say fear all the time, but hope for acceptance and fear of rejection. As long as the ego has not reached the stage of being serene, this translation is as long as the nafs has not reached the level of mutma'inna. Uh, it will interfere in every act. It's going to interfere in every act, whether it's obedience or sin. When the nafs is interfering in sin, that's well known. When the nafs is interfering in obedience, it's less known. Its interference in sin is plainly evident because the ego is deriving full pleasure in the sin. This is the commentary of the, of the, of the statement above. Despite its knowledge of divine chastisement, the ego perpetrates the sin because of the pleasure it derives. The ego is pushing you towards the sin because it derives pleasure. However, watch out, the ego does not refrain from staking its claim of pleasure even in obedience. The nafs could also start enjoying the ibadah. But it is very difficult to understand this plot of the ego. It is generally understood that ego has no share in obedience. Because obedience is supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be detestable to the ego. Hence in conflict with its wishes. It's supposed to weaken it. Supposed to eventually kill it, trample it down. It should be well understood that in spite of the difficulty of obedience, the ego may also be, begin to derive pleasure therein. Some, the love of fame can start coming into it. Some, the love of showing off. And another problem is that even if the worship is initially performed with sincerity, you start off on the right track, but then what happens? It's supposed to be a straight line, but it can start becoming, start going off, veering off, curved line. The ego can contaminate it with showing off and love of fame as a person is progressing. Right. Some people believe that the feeling of the pleasure and the sweetness experienced in worship is the goal to strive for. So the halawa and the pleasure. So if a person is uh, deriving pleasure, that is not necessarily the objective. Sometimes Allah Ta'ala as a gift may give some halawa and sweetness. But that is not the objective. Um, the sign of this misconception is that the ego induces man to rush towards the form of worship in which he, it derives greatest pleasure. Something that the nafs is actually enjoying, it pushes a person go towards that one. And it will constrain one to ref to refrain from other types of worship, even if they are obligatory, since it does not derive pleasure therein. So a person is excelling in some sort of nawafil, and he is giving up the farad. So that is where uh, the ilm will come and identify for a person, wait a second, something wrong is going on. If he is holding on to the tazkiyah without the ilm, without the lens of ilm, then he can fall into this trap. For example, uh, a person is performing nafal prayers in abundance, but he refrains from paying his zakat. So day and night he is, is enjoying, quote-unquote, enjoying his nafal prayers, but he is not fulfilling the farad zakat. He is experiencing pleasure in the nafal, and he is experiencing pain in, in giving the zakat, so he is abstaining from zakat. Right? So what, what does it tell us? Not paying the zakat is wrong, 
but also in this entire, it's not like, okay, if at least the Nawafil are okay. No, it's not. The whole Nawafil is, is wrong too now. Because the Nawafil are not true Nawafil anymore. Because you're not following the order of Allah. Because what is the reality of Islam? Islam is to submit. You're not submitting. You're doing your own thing. If you were submitting, then you would have submitted across the board. If you're not submitting, you're not submitting across the board. So even your Nawafil is not going to be a true Nawafil anymore. In this case. This indicates that in his performance of Nafil prayer, the reality is the nafs is having a share there. And the person is actually searching for the pleasure of his nafs in the prayer, not for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. If he was truly interested in Allah's pleasure, then he would not abstain from paying zakat. So this is an analysis we have to do. We have to not only do good deeds, we have to do the do good deeds in the order, of, in the hierarchy, in the level of priority given by Allah, not the priority of our nafs. This is part of udhulu fi silmi kafatan, entering into Islam completely, totally, wholly, is that, oh, there's a bunch of good deeds, you do whichever one you like, to whichever extent you like. There's a particular priority too, and that priority has to be maintained. The faraid cannot be abandoned for the sake of nawafil, is a simple no-brainer, right? There is some scope of choosing too, that's not the case, like if they're at the same level. There are a couple of different types of nafal actions a person could potentially engage in while not uh, uh, being deficient in fulfilling the farad huququllah and the farad huququ ibadillah. Some of the huququ ibadillah are also farad. So uh, parents and spouses and children's rights have been fulfilled and rights, farad rights of Allah have been fulfilled. There is a scope of selecting some options are there within different nawafil that are at the same category. But you are preferring a nafal action over the farad. That cannot happen. So thus, the conclusion is that the nafs has its share of pleasure even in ibadah. And the operation of this nafs in the ibadah is extremely well concealed in the people of insight, the Ahlul Basira. They're able to fathom it. They're able to determine this, find this. When an ailment and a sickness is concealed, right, all the tests are coming out negative. Cause unknown. What's going on? Then his remedy is difficult on account of the diagnosis being difficult. It's hard to treat it. We don't know what to treat. We're chasing after symptoms. What's the cause? When even awareness of the existence of the disease is lacking, this is the tumor spreading, no one knows. Awareness of the... One is the symptoms are there, and trying to, trying to chase the symptoms, figuring out the cause. What's worse than that? There are no symptoms, right? So there's medical students sitting here, etc. So you tell me, right? Isn't this true? When you don't have, even have any symptoms, what could be a worse situation? When even awareness of the existence of the disease is lacking and the person is considered to be spiritually healthy or physically healthy hatta katta was chalega right achana so there was there was no idea that the blockage of the heart is going on and on you know he never had shortness of breath he never had anything was going on massive heart attack he died before the ambulance came tried to resuscitate pronounced dead like 
upon arrival. This is what he's talking about. The person is considered to be spiritually healthy. The existence of the disease is, the knowledge, awareness of the existence of the disease is lacking. Person is considered to be spiritually healthy. Then the disease is incurable. The disease is incurable. So, what, so that's what we have to watch out. The lesson, khulasa, at the end of this whole discussion is that hmm, let us never fall into the sin of being super confident. Oh, we have ikhlas. Let us perpetually be begging from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reality of ikhlas. And, and have it balanced. Not to the point that we become despondent in the mercy of Allah. The disbelievers, they become despondent in the mercy of Allah. But never becoming so confident, that's khasirun. khasirun. So one side, becoming so confident that I'm sincere, I'm Superman, super sincere, that's khasirun. Those are the losers. And one side, that's it, I'm rejected forever, I'm never going to be accepted. That's kafirun. And the mu'minun al-imanu bayna raja wal-khawf. The reality of iman is between hope and fear. So we have to uh, guard our inten- actions by guarding our intentions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the reality of ikhlas. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the reality of iman and accept our ibadat insha'Allah. Let's make dua. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم اجعل اجتماعنا هذا اجتماعا مرحوما واجعل تفرقنا بعده تفرقا معصوما ولا تدع فينا ولا منا ولا معنا شقيا ولا محروما اللهم انا نسالك ايمانا كاملا ويقينا صادقا وتوبة نصوحا وتوبة قبل الموت وراحة عند الموت ومغفرة بعد الموت والعفو عند الحساب والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم آت نفوسنا تقواها وزكيها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها والله grant us sincerity in our actions يا رب العالمين والله protect us from being deluded by our nafs يا رب العالمين والله protect us from being deceived by Iblis and his junood and his army يا رب العالمين والله we are very weak and oh Allah this Iblis is very strong, very experienced. Oh Allah, he has been alive for thousands of years before Adam alayhi salam and he's alive till today, until the day of judgment as you have given him respite. Oh Allah, oh Allah, he has defeated many great people and he has made them stumble and fall and brought destruction upon them. Oh Allah, we are very weak. How can we stand up to Iblis without your protection, Ya Arbal Alameen? What knowledge do we have compared to the Mu'allim al-Mala'ika? Oh Allah, he's very cunning and uh, oh Allah, oh Allah. Deceiving, oh Allah, protect us from the makkar of shaitan, ya Rabbil Alameen. Inna na'udhu bika min hamazati shayateen, wa na'udhu bika rabbi an yahduroon, ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, protect us from our nafs ammara bisu, ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, grant his tazkiyah and purify it until it becomes nafs mutma'inna, radiyah, mardiyah, ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah. No one can purify our nafs besides you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O Allah, O Allah, O Allah. Keep, continue to guide us at every step, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O Allah, protect us from the evil environment, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Protect us from evil influences, Ya Rabbil Alameen. 
Grant us the nur of iman, the nur of hidayah, ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, grant us nur in our eyes, in our ears, in our brains, in our uh, body, in, in inside and outside, uh, in every cell of our body, fill it with nur, ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, remove the dhulmat and darknesses, ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, grant us the pinnacle of ikhlas, ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, make us among those who have hope and fear in you, ya Rabbil Alameen. Hope in your mercy and fear of your adab, ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, protect us from ujab and riyah, ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, all the brothers who came here and families that are here, O oh Allah, reward them for coming out so early in the morning, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Grant us istiqamah and steadfastness, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yusifoon. Wassalamu alaikum. Thank you.